Welcome to episode 190 of Cowboy Drive for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, as always, joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing tonight? I need the Idol Week. My heart needs the Idol Week. My health and well-being need the Idol Week as much as the Oklahoma State Cowboys do. I'm in pretty much in agreement with you. Uh, let's just hop right into it. Uh, Oklahoma State beat Kansas State 20-18, to 18 and uh, that game existed. That was an American collegiate football game that happened. And uh, that's, that's my analysis at this point. I won't go further in that, but my God, that was, it was, a, it was a game. It was a, it was a college football game, but yesterday was my 24th birthday. Oklahoma state got the win. Me, like I'll, I'll take that and run with it. I will admit I may have tweeted some things that I regret Saying that first half. Same. I would like to first, excuses aside, I am sorry. I did the thing that I really try very, very hard not to do, which is let my emotions get the best of me. I was on very little sleep. My wife was out of town. My kids were having a rough, it was a very long day. I was already exhausted and spent. And then that first half happened and I may have tweeted, I don't care anymore. Just bench him, uh, Spencer Sanders. I know you can't bench Spencer Sanders. I literally wrote an article this week, this past week, about his turnovers and still said, you can't bench him. I still think you can't bench him. But at that moment, at that moment, I was just, uh, look, props to Spencer. Um, no Tylen. Chuba was beat up. Your offensive line is taped together. It looks like the uh, uh, the a looks like a, a a medical tent during World War II. Uh, he didn't turn the ball over. I'm not going to give him too much credit for that because he did have a fumble that luckily was recovered, and he did throw a pass that should have been picked. Um, so he got away with a couple. And fumbles, man, fumbles. Oh, but I am, I am sorry. I let my emotions get the best of me. I will try and, and continue to uh, to not to not do that to the best yeah. of my abilities. Yeah, for the most part, uh, when I'm in, when I'm watching the game live and I'm firing off tweets and whatever as you know the game goes on, I let my emotions get the better of me way too often. I'm kind of with you on that. I didn't. I don't think I said anything too incredibly stupid. I may have. I may have said like, I don't think we're going to score today. Um, but obviously that didn't happen. Second half was obviously much better than the first. But I, when was the last time you watched a first half that just was, uh, that awful? I, I, there's no way to describe, it, especially offensively. The the defense. Twenty fourteen. Twenty twenty fifteen or fourteen. 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 Yeah. Fourteen. Yeah, like they, I think that, that was the first time that Oklahoma State had been shut out in a half since the Texas game in 2014. Not that it just felt like nothing, not, they couldn't do anything. Thankfully, the defense was able to hold enough, gave up a couple of field goals and a touchdown at the end of the half. But there's, there was only so much the defense was going to be able to do. But you come into the game, you find out Tylen Wallace is out. Chuba Hubbard, I think he got banged up on one of those first carries because he only had. He was. I thought I saw that Chuba was already had had kind of gotten banged up in practice already, 
and then got banged up in the game more and thus was just didn't play much. Yeah. Tevin Jenkins goes down early. He ended up coming back in the second half, but you're having to, you were already having to play musical chairs with Jake Springfield out. Josh Sills kicks from guard out to tackle. And we saw how well that went on the first drive. Like I think Josh Sills is a great leader and a great interior offensive lineman. Kicking out from guard to tackle is incredibly tough. Your hand placement's different. The technique is different. And you can tell he was having a really hard time with Hubert, number 56 for K-State. He had trouble with them all game. Um, you're, you're having, the, the amount of shifting they've had to do, I mean, Charlie, I think Charlie Dickey's a great coach, but there's only so much you can do when you're having to throw guys in there. And then I believe even the backup for Tevin Jenkins that came in after the initial injury, I think he even got hurt and limped off the field at one point. At some point, I, you know, you just got to throw yeah. your hands up and just go, what, what are we supposed to do? So let's, let's run through this. This is – so let's start talking about the offensive line. At the end of last season, you brought back so much. It looked like a strength on the team. It was going to yes. be one of, the, one of the better offensive lines in the Big 12. So since the start – at the end of last season, Dylan Galloway – Retired. He was going to be a starter. You lost Bryce Bray and Jacob Farrell, a start, an expected starter, a potential starter, and a backup because they violated team rules and got kicked out and transferred away. Um, Cole Birmingham and Hunter Anthony got hurt in the first game of the season. They have not played since the Tulsa game after they got injured. Uh, Jake Springfield picked up his scholarship, was a starting at left tackle, got injured in the Texas game. He didn't play on Saturday. And then Jenkins, who got banged up in the Texas game, then got banged up in this game. Uh, while he was off his field, his replacement, Taylor Maturko's the guy you're talking about, he had to come off the field, and Jenkins had to come back in. So your, starting was, your starters were Tevin Jenkins, Hunter Woodard, Rye Schneider, Preston Wilson, and, and, and Josh Sills. And I, this I, props to Dickey because he's doing the best he can with what he's got. Uh, props to Tevin Jenkins for being Tevin Jenkins. That is, guys, I, it's just. I, there's only so much you can do. when there, There's only so much attrition a position group can handle. And it is a lot. That is a lot. And you, I mean, and you still got, it's it's not like, sorry, it's not like Ryan Schneider has been awesome. So you throw that in with everything else. And it's just, I it's no wonder they, the offense struggled in the first half against a good Kansas State defense, a good Kansas State defensive line. Your offensive line is that banged up. You don't have Tyler Wallace. Chuba is banged up. Yeah, they struggled. And look, props to, to, uh, to Dylan Stoner for stepping up in this one. Landon Wolf for stepping up in this one. No one I, else did I think, anything. And I think we really did anything. I think we, and I'll shift with the offensive line, but I think you and I owe L.D. Brown an apology. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So last season, we harped on him a lot for being an incredibly awful non-factor all season long. Well, outside, of one was... run against, outside of one run against Baylor. Yeah. This no, no, season, no. He was a liability. Yes. I was trying to be kind. No, it's fine. Just say it as it is. He, he was awful. But this year, he has been a revelation. Having a second running back you can go to when Chuba Hubbard comes out and when Chuba Hubbard gets hurt like he did in the game today or on Saturday. And he goes 15 carries, 110 yards, and had that big explosive run down to the one-yard line, which was the, the play that kind of sparked the offense. It, they, and I think I might have texted you. or I was talking to somebody, but I said, 
this offense just needs one big play, and I think they're, they're going to be able to at least get rolling enough to keep themselves in this game, and that's what we saw. And it wasn't just two big pl- one big run. He made two guys look stupid. <laughs> he had one defender, was it 19, that just like whipped. whipped. And then he like puts on the brakes cartoon Flintstone style, lets a defender literally fly in front of him, and then veers off left and keeps running. Like that was and, – and L.D. Brown's had some nice runs this season. I never thought I'd see a run like that from L.D. Brown. Yes. I, 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 yes, we should apologize for saying we didn't know that we had, he had this in him. Um, he hadn't really shown that much, so it's, but I'm going to say it. All the credit in the world for L.D. Brown. L.D. Brown saved this game on offense for Oklahoma State. Yes. And because our- we had seen the tweets ahead of the game where they were saying he was one of the guys that wasn't going to play, where he was – and I think he's a little banged up too – and he put on a, I mean, he put on a show. And there was, what was the play where, like, it, it, he, he looked like he was about to just, like, bust one open. And he, he tweaked his hamstring or something and just kind of ran out of bounds. Yes. I can't remember what play. I think it was in the, I think it was toward the end of the first half. Or toward the end of the first quarter. It was, it was one of those, it was early on in the game. And he broke one and then just went out of bounds and hobbled off. He was I about mean, to, like he made that, like he was about to, to, to hit that stride and had to kind of pull up and then come out of bounds. And you're like, oh crap, he's done for the day. And he kept going. Uh, uh, LD Brown, man. And especially if he was playing. Yeah, I got nothing too. but good things to say. Yeah. I, yeah. But we, as unfortunate as to have Tylen Wallace out, we had Brennan Presley sightings in this <sighs> game. And for a while, at least in the, toward the end of the first half and the first part of the third quarter, when he was on, they were using him as just eye candy before the pre-snap where he's just running across the formation and they didn't give him the ball. And then they finally, on that drive, when Elvin Brown had the long run, they flipped it to him on a, a little end around and you see the burst of speed that we've heard a lot about and he gets into the end zone, first career touchdown for him. Gave Oklahoma State the lead there in the third quarter, the third of three consecutive scoring drives there at the, the start of the third quarter. Uh, good. I mean, we've been wanting to see him all season, just to see what he can provide for this offense. And really, other than being a gunner on special teams, the only other good play we've seen from him was downing that punt inside the five at, against Iowa State a couple weeks ago. He didn't even really see the field on offense. He might have a little bit against Kansas, but I don't even think he got the ball. So to see him a part of this offense – you see the, you know, the game-breaking speed that he has and his ability to make you miss in a phone booth because he, he had to make a couple guys miss. Jelani Woods gave him a great block, but he still had to make a defender miss to get into the end zone. He managed to do it and gave Oklahoma State the lead. Yeah. Now, props to him. Love to see that. Hope that's the first of – just the first of many, many plays from him. Um, he feels like, like – it's, hard, it's hard to – it's hard to judge the offense fairly. Um because of the offensive line issues, because of the injuries, because of the banged up guys. And those are the injuries that we know. We don't know how any other guys are banged up. And, and I, I would venture to guess that Spencer Sanders played that entire game banged up. There I was a, so. There was a throw on – it was a third down throw on an out route to Braden Johnson. And the throw just sailed wide. Like, I mean, it wasn't even close. But when you looked at the, the way that Sanders stepped, he, it just looked – the entire thing just looked awkward. And then they, they pan to him and they show just a, a still shot of him or just a solo video of him on that throw. And he came up and he was hobbling on that ankle that he hurt in the Tulsa game. And I thought he, there was a good chance he re-aggravated that injury and 
for him to still grind through that game, not turn the ball over, and lead the offense and still find a way to win this game, that is huge. Um, I hope he can get healthy over the next couple of weeks, but for him to be able to grind through that game, uh, it says a lot about him. Um, you know, that the kind of the stuff that you can't quantify. Yeah. I think the – here's the deal for this game. Props to defense for being awesome. Um, I think the offense struggling is really what kept Kansas State in this game. Absolutely. Obviously, the offense Absolutely. couldn't score. Kansas State putting up 12 points in the first half. But it's more to do with Kansas State's not going to throw the ball a lot with Will Howard. As you saw, he's not incredibly accurate. He's not very good. So with Oklahoma State's lack of ability to score, allowing Kansas State to run, and props to defense because you shut Deuce Vaughn down. Shut Deuce Vaughn down. I think it was 46. Vaughn down. 46 total all-purpose yards, I believe, is what I saw. 40, 45. He had 17 carries for 40 yards, one catch for five yards. That's huge. That is, he worried me a lot coming into this game. Uh, oh, because he's, he's huge. He's big for this team. But, he's, but game, he, he's game he, huge, huge in terms of, uh, of, of playmaking ability, not necessarily huge in stature. Yes. But they shut him down. But because Oklahoma State couldn't score, you allowed Kansas State to I, – I honestly think if OSU is scoring in the first half, I don't even think Kansas State puts up 18. No, I don't think because so. I don't. I think that changes what they have to do. Will Howard can beat you with his feet. He's not going to beat you with his arm. And so, like, even even as as kind of poor a day as the defense had, they played great considering how bad of a day the offense had. They, the third, essentially, the third quarter. Yes, like it was. It was one of those things that they realized. Very, oh, we have to ball out to keep the offense until the offense can get go. And then you saw once the offense got going, I believe Kansas State had two consecutive three and outs. Like they, once both sides started clicking, it got Oklahoma State back in that game. And then even the, I think it was that long pass to, I don't even know who it was, but the long pass from Will Howard, only, pretty much the only good ball he threw all day to a wide open receiver. It didn't even end up resulting in anything because later on that drive, you get the strip, the strip sack of Israel Antwine. Jason Taylor gets a look what I found, and then 85 yards later, he's in the end zone, which ended up being the difference in the game. Yeah. I, okay. I think my two biggest takeaways from this game, uh, or three, A, this team has to get healthy. They have to get healthy. And we have to hope. I mean, I really hope. I, we haven't heard anything as far as Bryce Bray and Jacob Farrell's Injuries, maybe they're going back. Bryce Bray and Jacob Farrell. I get transfer. the feeling they might be. You said Bryce Bray and Jacob Farrell. Cole Birmingham and Hunter Anthony. There we go. I've got, I've got things written down, and I'm not doing. Cole Birmingham and Hunter Anthony, the two that I heard in the Tulsa game. Uh, here's hoping that they can get back soon. Um, here's hoping the offensive line can get healthy. Here's hoping Jake Springfield can play because if the offensive line can be healthy for Bedlam, if it's not healthy for Bedlam. I don't even want to talk about Bedlam. I don't even, I don't even, want, to, I don't even want to talk about it. Forget the fact that I OSU is not winning, um, but I don't even want to talk about it if, if you have to go out there with that offensive line, um, period. So that's key number one. They have to get healthy. The whole team needs to be able to get healthy. Two, Spencer Sanders didn't have a recorded turnover. Uh, Josh Stills was able to recover a fumble. 
I'm tired of Spencer Sanders fumbling the ball. I can deal with the interceptions. I read about this in the article. I can deal with some of the interceptions. Some interceptions are weird. Fumbles are on you. You can't keep fumbling the ball. You can't keep fumbling the ball when you get sacked. You can't keep fumbling the ball when you get sacked. You can't keep fumbling the ball when you get sacked. Hold on to the damn ball. Stop fumbling the ball. Stop fumbling the ball. I don't, I don't, I, there's no other way to put this. There's no like, well, let's teach you how to hold the ball. Hold the damn ball. If you keep fumbling, get out. You can Interceptions see, we can like, deal with. Yeah. And I, I think what, what's interesting is that we saw like almost a 180 from what we've seen from Spencer Sanders uh, in previous games. I, I need to go back and watch the film and really see if what I'm talking about is really legit. But it feels like the last few games he left the pocket too early when he really didn't need to and tried to scramble around and make a play. It felt like in this game, he, the clock wasn't going off and he was sitting in the pocket for way too long. That's part of the reason why uh, Hubert was able to get that strip sack. Thankfully, still recovered, but I think that was a lot of it was, A, I mean, Sills got dummied on that play and it didn't matter. But Sanders also needs to have that clock and it needs to get that clock in his head of, okay, I've been sitting here for way too long. I need to get out and make a play or make a play with my legs. There were way too many times in that game where he just sat in the pocket and took the sack or made an errant throw when he didn't have to. His ability to use his legs outside the pocket is what makes him lethal. And I want to see him try and find that balance between leaving in the pocket too early and just standing there and taking a hit or making a throw that's not there. That is very nice analysis. Quarterbacks get sacked all the time. And they don't fumble this much. Stop fumbling the ball. Uh, two. This is the second straight game where Spencer Sanders threw a ball that should have been picked and it wasn't. I understand he didn't have an interception that was recorded. That's two interceptions that luckily went – that's two turnovers that went Oklahoma State's way. Just got to keep working on it, man. You got to keep yeah. working on it. You got to keep throwing – quit throwing these passes in the, end, into the red, in the red zone and in the end zone to try and make the big play when it's just not there. In a game like this, three points were so valuable. Mm-hmm. Both field goals were so, so valuable for Oklahoma State. Props to Alex Hale, who's now uh, – He's 11 for 12? I think that – 13 for 14. 13 for 14. Yeah. Just had that one uh, miss in the Iowa State game. That's it. That is – He's been nailed. He's absolutely been nailed. Oh, and I need to go back. Think of it this way. Like, how many of these have been the Kansas State gave you the go-ahead? It wasn't the – it gave you your first lead. It wasn't the, the winner. It was the, the winning score was the uh, – it's so weird saying, like, the fun, it's not a scoop and score because it literally popped in Jason Taylor's hands. It's, hand it's, and just ran it's, it back, it's technically a scoop and score. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a steak dinner. In my I opinion, understand. So. It's that's but, so, but you hit two field goals that Oklahoma State desperately needed. You hit the, the field goal that they had to have to go into overtime against Texas. You did hit a big one against Iowa State. Like, Alex Hale has been good grief. Like, dude, cold-blooded, and I love it. So keep it up. Number three, point number three. Okay. So let's talk about the end of the game. <laughs> 
let's talk about how Mike Gundy made two god-awful decisions that didn't cost Oklahoma State the game. Feels like we have to talk about this like three times a year. Yup. Well, we, I mean, (laughs) let's let's be honest. Um, We've talked about this a few times this season. Uh, There's, we didn't, we didn't recap the Texas game. So we didn't talk about the attempt at the punt block. That was so stupid. Um, We have two opportunities here. We didn't talk about the halftime thing. Well, I'm really glad we didn't recap the Texas game. I, I wanted to. That was a but, combination of me really not wanting to talk about it, but also I got swamped with work and life. And yeah. It was just not going to happen. It's okay. So thank you again to Robert and Zach for taking that for us. Nice work. Nice work. I'm sure everyone's like, bring them back. So let's talk about the fourth and one with Oklahoma State clinging to a 13 to 12 lead. It's fourth and one, though, Kansas State 45. First, you try and pull Kansas State's defense on an offside. They're not going to do that. It's Kansas State. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And Kansas State's defenders were so proud of themselves for not jumping offsides there. It's, it almost makes me think, and this may be just going way too far, that that attempt and failed attempt motivated the whole Kansas State team. Because if you saw the way they were clapping and pumped of, ha ha, we weren't falling for that crap. Now we know we got you. That play call, and I understand your offensive line is beat up. I understand everything that's going on. I get it. I get it. I get it. So you, you punt the ball. You plant them at the 15. Good job. Love the defense. They've been playing great. I get it. I absolutely get it. But there was a momentum shift there because up to that point, Kansas State's office hadn't done anything. Kansas State, the next play, first play out, it's almost like, you know how when you uh, – where is it a turnover and then you immediately come out and have a big play? The point is like it felt like a big deal because what does Kansas State do with their first possession? 58-yard completion by Will friggin' Howard, who's inaccurate. And Kansas State is marching. Big play. Loss. Gain of eight. It feels like Kansas State is about to score. Like you punted the ball back, and it's about to bite you in the ass. And thank goodness for Israel Antoine forcing a fumble. It lands in Jason Taylor's arms, Jason Taylor's second's arms, and he runs it all the way back for a touchdown which you then didn't go for two on, which I think you should have gone for two on because you gave yourself a eight-point lead. I get it. They have to go for two. Great. Go for two. Anyways. Okay, so that's your situation. Well, that didn't work out. So Kansas State gets the ball back. They march down the field and score a touchdown. So now you had a, a big a Kansas State drive that you luckily stopped thanks to a fumble. Then Kansas State marches down the field because it starts to feel like Kansas State's offense has figured some things out. It does. It felt like Kansas State's offense had figured things out. Absolutely. Oklahoma State gets the ball back. There's 2.08 on the clock. The announcers are literally sitting here going, yeah, Gundy, he's a risk taker. And I'm just sitting here like, you've never watched an Oklahoma State game in your life, you idiots. 
Because what does Gundy do? What does the offense do? Run play, run play, run play. Kansas State burns its three timeouts. You started this possession with 208 on the clock. You're going to punt it back to them with a minute 54. Kansas State is now down two points with a minute 54 to go. And all they need to win, to win, is a field goal. Now, thank goodness, Kansas State decides to call a pass play by Will Howard, and it gets intercepted by Trey Sterling. Thank you, Trey Sterling. And that's the game. Oklahoma State got bailed out by piss-poor decisions by Mike Gundy two, two times. The fourth and one not going for it. Thank goodness for that fumble recovery touchdown. And run, run, run. Give the ball back. And I love our defense. It's not a shot at the defense, but Kansas State's offense was moving the ball in that fourth quarter. You gave them the ball back, and all they needed to win was a field goal. I understand you forced turnovers. I understand that the defense deserves credit for the turnovers, but you're ignoring how much luck is required in a turnover. Those were stupid decisions that didn't cost Oklahoma State the game. They were overly conservative. And I love the defense. I do, but you could feel it. Tell me you didn't. When Kansas State got the ball back with two minutes to go, go, we're going to lose this game. They're going to march down and kick a field goal. That's, no, that's exactly what I thought. And I bet you every Oklahoma State fan felt the exact same way. Thank goodness for an interception. Thank goodness for a bad pass from a bad-throwing quarterback. That's what Oklahoma State got to win the game. It was not about props to the defense for making the, the interception. But to sit there and be like, oh, that's what worked out. You won because you forced two turnovers when you needed them. How many? How often does that is not a repeatable thing? That is not repeatable. What is repeatable is making those decision, poor decisions that didn't cost you the game this time that will cost you the game down the line because they do all the time. Piss poor decisions by Gundy. They piss me off. I don't care that you won. Those were stupid decisions that one bit you in the ass and one should have. So – uh, I'll get my take here. So on the fourth and one, I hate the we're going to try and draw them off sides because everyone and their mother knows the formation you're going to run when you're trying to draw them off sides. Yep. Either have some balls and go for it and try and break their back right there or just punt it and try and flip the field. The in-between bullshit is what bothers me about that. I would, if they went for it or if they punted, I would have respected the decision either way. But going up there to try and draw them off sides when you don't damn well they weren't going to do it Mm -mm. fires me up and pisses me off. Mm -hmm. And I mean, offense had been moving the ball. Your offense had been moving the ball. They were clicking and then the drive stalled. You probably, and if they wanted to call a timeout and think about it and get the right play for fourth and one, sure, fine. But if not, but just go out there and at least try and have some guts and go for it. If you're really going to try and go, try and get them to jump. That's my opinion. Like, no, and, especially, and at that point, you're in plus territory. You're a zero like right around the 45, between the 50 and the 45 on the opposite side of the field. And I hate were, punting in plus territory. Anyway. You're at the 45. You were okay. literally at the 45. Punting in plus territory is the dumbest thing ever. So unless you really are confident that Tom Putnam is going to put a ball inside the 15-yard line, don't do it. Just go for it. And if nothing else, that also the Oklahoma State defense was playing well enough that if they didn't get it, you're still going to be able to, you know, you still have an opportunity there. You know, you're still, you're still, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get a stop and you're going to get the ball back. Yep. 
am I crazy? Did you feel the weird momentum shift that came when you, they didn't jump off sides? Like they're, they were focusing I mean, on their defenders, like smiling. I like, wasn't necessarily, I, I didn't necessarily think there was a huge momentum shift there. I thought I was more just fired up that they were trying to do that. That's so dumb. That Spencer Sanders tried so five, five different cadences and it didn't work. I mean, I could have told you it wasn't going to work on the first shot. If it, if it doesn't work, if those things, if it doesn't work on the first or second time, it's not like, stop, like just stop doing it. Then you know what it was? Did that, you know what that play, that play call was, we're going to go out there. We're going to take a, we're going to take a delay of game, get five extra yards back up just to help Hutton. If we draw them off sides in the process, great, go try it. But our, our assumption here is that we're just going to lose five yards to give Hutton five extra yards to punt the ball. That's what that is. That's what that play call was. It's not really about drawing soft sides. If you get them to, then, it's, then it's, it's a bonus. But it was about the punt. And that is almost as egregious as Texas Tech trying to kick a field goal on second down, which happened. What was that? I saw I wasn't paying attention to that game, but I saw the the tweet of that. Like, what what happened there? Uh, we talked about it on my show. I don't. Wanna, I I don't know. I, I honestly, it, Matt Wells' explanation for it is the most. Someone's going to ask me about this. What do I have? To, what do I say to them? Oh, this bullshit's perfect. Let's go with that. That's that. That's how his response. Literally sounds like he's like, yeah, I, that's what we wanted to do. We just did it, you know, uh, a down early. Like, shut up. It's bullshit. Okay. Anyways, so back uh, to Gundy's dumbass I mean, decision making. The, the thing is, that we see this every year. At what point do we just? I don't know, man. It's so frustrating because stop, stop calling him a risk taker. Stop calling him a risk taker. No, he's Gundy one of is not a risk taker. Coaches anymore. in college football. He used to be when he was young. When he was new, when he was an offensive coordinator in his first few years, he was. When he had offensive coordinators like that he allowed to be risk takers, they were. But really, since – like he's been more – ever since Yursich showed up, ever since that 2013 season, they have been conservative. He's been conservative in, in Bedlam for years. But really, it all came to a head in, in 2013 to me is when the offense and the decision-making got – super conservative where Gundy well, just and, leaned into it. Yeah. I mean, you can go and look at the, uh, what was it like on, I think it was on our time where they had the heads up between him and Dunn right before that first touchdown from, um, uh, from Spencer to Wallace, that little slant yeah. wrap. And Gundy's like, they're in quarters in case he's like, yeah, I know. Well, who's he going to throw to? Like, let your court, if you're really going to act like the CEO, just fucking be one. If you're going to try to be a CEO head coach and let your coordinators do their work, let them do their work. Yeah, let me say this. We didn't talk about the Texas game. I want to make one point of the Texas game and then we'll move on from it. Casey Dunn called a great game. He was awesome. And Casey I'll- Dunn called a fantastic game. It is not his fault they lost. It's the turnovers. And rushing the punter for no damn reason. So um, I'll say this about Casey Dunn. We talked off air, I think it was after the Iowa State game, mm-hmm. where I – this was off air, so there's no clip of it. But I raised the question of, do we really know if Casey Dunn's a good play caller? Because I just yes. hadn't seen it yet. I just hadn't seen that, you know. And I'm not asking him to dump into the bag of tricks and pull out all this wild, wild weird stuff. But it just it felt so predictable, vanilla, just not – just something just didn't feel right with it. 
yeah, he shut me up in the Kansas in the Texas game. He was fantastic. Yep. Uh, he and I think part of it. I mean, part and of props it really to him today. To yeah, or on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. And I think part of it is just he didn't have a spring. He barely had a fall camp ring from scrimmage. So he was really learning to call plays on the fly. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't really necessarily take that in consideration with my first with my original take, but I appreciate his aggressiveness and he knows how to put his players in the best position to succeed. And we see that in this game and in the in the Texas game and in the Kansas State game as well. He knew yeah. the patchwork offensive line that he was having to work with and got a bunch of high percentage quick throws out of the flat, you know, slant RPO stuff for for Spencer just to get the ball out of his hands quick. They weren't going to be able to reduce long developing plays down the field. So he, he made it work, and to make those adjustments on the fly made the difference. Props him on Saturday. They, they, he, he, fixed, he changed the game plan. Third quarter, 13 unanswered. Props to him. Again, this offense is so beat up. Like, if you're mad at the like, – in retrospect, if you're this mad at the offense, like, <laughs> guys, they don't have – their offensive so, line is literally like everyone's walking around on, on crutches or an eye patch or something. Like, it's – it's bad. Um, I just – My last point is, you know, everyone might be is frustrated with the, the way the game played and then we're happy after the win. I was too. Here's – that was one of the gutsiest fucking wins that I've seen in a long time from the Oklahoma State team. You had – Tylen Wallace out, your best player on offense, did not play. He got the he made the tip on hands team. That was it. He had oh, no God. impact on the offense. Chuba Hubbard goes out after pretty much three. I think he had six carries in the game. He didn't do anything. Your best offensive lineman goes out early, has to come back because his backup got hurt and he had to play hurt for the rest of the game. I guarantee you, Spencer Sanders played banged up in that game. He was not 100 percent out. Colby Hargo Peel, one of your best safeties, is out. You're having to run defensive linemen limping off the field as well. You had everybody playing that banged up. You did not score in the first half. You were on the road in an environment where you have lost nine of your last 11. And they found a way to win. If it doesn't matter the result on the scoreboard, you take that shit every day and twice on Sunday and you move on. At some point, a win is a win. It doesn't matter how you get there. But everything was working against Oklahoma State in that game. And they managed to get a win on the road. That was gutsy. Yeah, that was. It absolutely was. Um, Can we spend the rest of this podcast talking about the Curse of Cowboy Helmets? Oh. <laughs> those were things of beauty. I, if they had lost that game in those helmets, I would have hated the idea of us never wearing them again but we would have never been able to wear them again. Um, those things are, I love how, so OSU put out photos of the new wrestling singlets for this year. First the Cowboys there too. First the Cowboys. So we've got the jer- basketball, football, wrestling. Um, baseball has them. No, they do not. They do not. The softball. They, I think they might. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure there's something. Can we just get those things on? Just put them on everything. Put them on. But like, just bring that back. I, oh, that that was that was a that was a thing of beauty. It really yeah. was. I, mm, mm. Um, one thing on done, and we texted about this, so I feel like we should talk about it. 
Dunn is, is coming into his own as a play caller. He's doing a good job. He's getting better each week. That said, um, props to Landon Wolf and Dylan Stoner for their Saturday. They had to because Tyler Wallace is out. Does it f- – one of two things is happening. Either the other wide receivers are regressing or this deep and talented wide receiver roster we felt so good about is basically Talon Wallace and a bunch of other guys. Because Dylan Stoner played well on Saturday, but it's the first time all season I really feel like we've talked about Dylan Stoner. Um, and that's only because he literally had they had to throw the ball to somebody. I don't feel like the wide receiver core has really lived up to our preseason expectations as loaded and talented as we say that it is. And my concern is, is it suffering because of Dunn's double duty? I think there's some, I think there's some validity to that. You know, we we talked about, uh, you know, for a long time with Yurcich and Gleason, and I think you, I don't know, was Monken the OC, the OC slash quarterback coach as well, or was he just OC? I mean, he was OC slash, I think Gundy was kind of the quarterback coach back then. Okay. But either way, you haven't had, you hadn't had a true designated just quarterback coach for the better part of the decade. You yeah. had someone pulling double duty. And while Oklahoma State had some good quarterbacks through those years, never felt like they were elevated more than the talent that they already had at the time. And I think a lot of that is just they, you know, while they were able to go into the film room and help them out that way, they're having to pull double duty, trying to run a practice on offense and get the plays and the scheme right, and then go in and watch more film to try and make that scheme even better. Like they're not able to just put all their focus into one position. And I think part of the reason why the Oklahoma State wide receivers have been so good for years and years and years even if the talent wasn't always elite is because you had Casey Dunn in that room, not having to worry about calling plays that I think there's some legitimacy to that. When not in the lack of development that we've seen from guys like Brady Johnson or uh, not getting Brendan Presley on the field. Like there, there are some guys that you know what you're getting from Dylan Stoner. You pretty much know what you're getting from Landon Wolf at this point as a senior. You obviously know what you're going to get with Tom Wallace, but everybody else has just felt, very underwhelming to this point. I I think you make a really good point there. Yeah. Uh, I have some concerns with the staff, primarily how it's structured at this point, uh, and it's a longevity moving forward. I don't want to get into that now. If we do a idle week pod, maybe we can, and maybe I'm – overthinking things, but I, I have some concerns. And it's not about the special teams coordinator. I don't want to – like, yes, also, let's stop. Um, but I do have some concerns with the current structure of the coaching staff and if it's viable long term. But I also don't want to overreact to one game. Anyways, I don't know. Uh, we've been doing this for a little bit now. So, um, I think I'm spent – we got an idle week, and I don't want to think about Bedlam yet because I don't, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to think about it either. Quite frankly, um, we have, we have the idle week. Um, we got some, you know, we can find other things to talk about. Give give ourselves a break for our own sanity. 
Ooh, we have uh, we have Bedlam soccer this Friday. The uh, series finale. The so. girls will be Bedlam soccer this Friday. So I I know mm-hmm. who our midweek guest is going to be if I had to, to venture to take a shot. Um, midweek or next week, we'll see. If you listen to this podcast over- regularly, you know who we're talking. About. Yeah, uh, all I'm gonna say is. I'm not going to overcommit to a whole lot of stuff on an idle week because I think, again, emotionally, I'm ready for one. So, I think that's fair enough. Expect just one episode, either midweek or on the weekend. We'll let you all know when we actually get it because as much as we love doing this for you guys and we appreciate anyone that listens to this, uh, we have lives and small children outside of uh, this thing that we do. I'm pretty sure my small my small child is uh, crying at the moment, so it might be time to wrap this one up. I think that's a good idea. All right, where can everyone follow you on Twitter, Philip? Follow me personally at OKTXARPogue. Follow my show, the 1012 Podcast, T E and the 12 Word Podcast. This week's show is an awful lot of fun because basically we get to go rip on Lincoln Riley, Mike Gundy, Coach Kleiman, and uh, and Matt Wells for some questionable decision making this. Uh, this past weekend and uh, Oklahoma's going to win the big 12 and I don't want to talk about it, but you can hear me talk about it there. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And we will be back uh, some point next week. And we'll talk about things other than football just to give you guys a break and us a break from it. Y'all have a good one.